You are listening to Black Man in the Right World. Hey everybody, this is Mike. This is Grant. And today we're going to talk about the late Chadwick Boseman. And the subject of death and grief in general. We'll be sharing some very personal stories to give you intimate insight of how we deal with these situations. And ways that you can deal with them as well. It's a pretty heavy topic, so just a heads up, uh, but please enjoy. Trigger warning. So it's another pretty shit week, huh, Mike? I mean, that's an understatement. Yeah, I mean... Like, we recorded our episode last week. Day later, I'm driving late at night, and I hear on the news, Chadwick Boseman died. I was audibly shocked. Yeah, I, for me, it was probably, it wasn't, it was, I don't know. I think I'm still shocked. I think I'm not over it still, and I think at this point, I'm still trying to, like, process or figure out, like what it why I'm so shocked or why do I why does this feel so different than other celebrities that have passed away do you think it's because no one had any idea that he was sick or that he was even ill you know that he had this that he had been hiding for four years rightfully so by the way yeah, I mean, it's like it's interesting because it wasn't really that he it wasn't completely hidden because we knew that his physical appearance had changed at some point in time. And yeah. then, like, you could see all those people making jokes and stuff like that. Which is messed up, you know, so yeah. messed up in hindsight. It's like, why? Well, I don't, it was messed up then. I yeah. was already like, why, why is this a huge issue? Like, regardless if you see a celebrity or someone with fluctuating weight or anything like that, there's a whole, there's 102 reasons why that could be happening. It's not like, it's not, that out of out of character for those kinds of things to occur for it for it to warrant a joke. Yeah, and guess what? All of those 102 reasons are none of your damn business. Yeah, none of your business. Uh, whether it was business related or health related. Yeah. But it's I I think it's just because of the the role that he played. Like how I see him as like an actor, and how I see him as like a character. Like a, his good character, his like values and how he presents himself and carries himself is very important to me. And then you have on top of all of that, you have Black Panther. So, yeah, there's like those three individuals, Chadwick, the actor, and then also Black Panther are all like something yeah. that, that we like physically lost. This is such a bad year for loss. Like, I feel like there's like. We're not even reconciling with everything that we've lost and everyone who we've lost this year yet. I don't know. I, for me personally. Yeah. I mean, I, I still feel very, I mean, I'm still definitely dealing with the losses that I've had in the past, like three, four years, but especially with the beginning of this year in regards to people who I didn't really personally know, like you have like Kobe Bryant, just that kicked off the year and then we go into, we you know, fast forward to now, like there's so many other, you know, very influential people throughout the time, like John Lewis and stuff like that. And then we get to Chadwick Boseman. And it's just all these different like icons who are very important to the culture in some way or very important to like my life story in some way, whether it's like I relate to them or uh, I see them as great role models or like industries that I want to be part of, like, uh, so it's just they they all are they are very very important to me. Like I I try my best. Like I don't idolize anyone to where they become like a god or anything like that. Mm. But I there are 
people who I do think represent certain characteristics or ways how they went about their business or the entertainment industry or just their relationships with other people. And I'm like, oh, I like how they went about that. I did that and I want to do that. And that that's very important to recognize for me, especially with Kobe Bryant, because like he was a Laker. I'm from California. I you've heard in the other past episode, I was named after my mom's water broke at a Lakers game. So like that's been my team since I was before I was born. So like that's big. Then you have born in Lakersfield, California. Lakersfield. Oh my God, I wish. Uh, <laughs> but then you have, then you get to like Chadwick, and it's so it's crazy because like in my mind, there's like there's a good like ten or something, ten or fifteen black actors and actresses that I'm like, I'm going to write a script for them one day, like straight up. They're going to they be the person I write it for and write it around. Some of them already are, been, are in, the, in the works. So he was definitely one of them, but it's like, damn, you know, it's like you can't, you can't replace. He's not, he's irreplaceable because he, he was a certain type of person and the way how he portrays certain characters that is very distinct to who is like to him. It's like, it's not, it's not anyone could just take over those roles. So, like, outside of just Black Panther, uh, there's, you know, any other roles that he might have been up for or roles that were suited for him. It's like he has a certain distinct voice, a certain distinct characteristic, uh, like, physically, and then, like, also how he carried himself and stuff like that. Just the same thing with Denzel Washington, Samuel Jackson, Morgan Freeman, you know, all these black actors. You can pick them out of a room, like, just by the sound of their voice or the way they walk or the way they, like, uh, deliver a line. So that's just... It's just something that's completely gone. So that's something that's very hard for me to reconcile with because it's just uh, I had I had a plan and I had a story like laid out for for my vision of these people. And then, you know, they're, then they're just gone, which you got to you have to be able to recognize that death is going to happen. But I mean, when it's when it's sudden and when it's so like instant like that, it, it's just it obviously going to throw me off. Well, how do you think you're supposed to, I mean, like, obviously, like, certain ones hit harder than others. Um, I noticed this thing back in 2014 that people were posting, like, especially when Robin Williams died. Like, there was a couple of people who died, like, back in, way back in 2014, um, celebrities, and everyone was posting, like, their, like, Robin Williams story or, or their personal connection to it. How are, How do you think we're supposed to, and supposed to is such a stupid word, but, like, or, or phrasing box to put this in but how what's the best way to talk about people who you don't know who've died i well first personally i don't think there should be any special way i think everybody should be able to grieve or mourn or talk about or celebrate someone however the fuck they want to absolutely i that that that, you could you have some balls and some audacity to come up in the room and be like oh you can't grieve about this person like that because you didn't know him personally like i never met my like most of my grandparents and Still pretty sad about it. They some of them died before I was born. So like, what? I'm not allowed to be sad because I didn't know them. Fuck off. So yeah. like, it's just like, yeah, that that should not be a, a a statement. But you know, our world is crazy at how we deal with death and talk about death and talk about people. So you know, people are gonna come for each other. But I kind of wanted to like investigate some like uh, ways <laughs> and get some knowledge. So I looked up. There's this writer. Uh, her name is Kathy. I think Barthley. And she kind of puts it together really well. She breaks down, like, how to acknowledge the death of someone you don't know. And that's, like, in relation to not just uh, celebrities, but, like I said, family members, friends, or, like, say, like, which some situations that have happened in our eight or some years living together. Like, your grand, your grandparent 
or your cousin or your uncle, like someone like that could pass away. I never met them. So it's like, how do I deal with my best friend roommate grieving with someone that passes close to them? So um, I'll just kind of I'll just kind of give you like little quick blurbs because I don't want to read this whole thing out. But the first one that she says is shared on social media, which is it seems superficial and stupid, but it's not like I think social media is such an important tool that has been developed. Like it's here. Let's use it. Let's not. I'm so sick of the people that are like, oh, I don't like social media. I just like avoiding. And it's like, no, what you're avoiding is racism and sexism and, and, and bullying and all that shit. That's what you're avoiding. You're not avoiding social media. <laughs> like you just, yeah. you just can't handle fucking crazy people, but the crazy people are still there. Guess what? You know, whether you get on it or not or log in or not, somebody reading a fucking flat earth YouTube video. Um, but so sharing on social media kind of it definitely goes in the hand hand in hand with like just sharing the pictures, what a lot of people a lot of people do, because uh, it just brings recognition and honor to those to those fault that have fallen, whether it's a family member or celebrity or someone friend. Then there's also kind of like sharing, people sharing quotes, people sharing the dates and stuff like that, that. They were alive. It's it's such a simple way for everyone to have like a solidarity and be like we're all on the page together. So then you know you're kind of not alone. With your grieving and your in your feelings, um, so don't worry about you know people thinking you're doing it just for clout. If you want to do it for yourself, just do it. Yeah, and fuck it. If you do it for clout, do it for clout. Like it's it's this is your life. Like I'm like 2020 has let me know. Like we need to get out of everybody else's life. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> don't get out of their life unless you're trying to uh, help it and benefit it. Um. So then the next one she has is comforting a friend, which is. That's something that I probably do because, like, I'm a cancer and, you know, I'm empathetic or whatever. <laughs> but it's it's kind of like if you are mourning or grieving with someone that you don't know really or don't really understand how to deal with it, then finding, like, supporting someone else. So, like, that would be example would be, like, your grandpa passes away and then it's like, you might just want to talk about it. You might just want somebody to sit in the room with you, something like that. And then it's like, I just sit there and support you. And it's like, that's a way for me to deal with it because it's like it's just supporting you. So it's like it's helping it's helping the other person grieving grieving with it. Yeah. I feel like with me, like I always try to do that, but I always I'm so nervous about saying the wrong thing, especially at funerals and stuff like that. Oh yeah, I never know. I don't I've been I don't know what I never to know what say. to say. Nobody. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I just let people talk and I just nod. Mm, That's kind of my go to thing. Silence. Yeah. But there's always some people, certain specific people, if they start crying, I'll start crying. Like, they just, like, especially, like, the older patriarchal, matriarchal people, I'm like, ooh, I can't see you cry. You're supposed to, like, be, like, the the most important one. I can't see you weak. Um, So that really, it's really hard. But uh, comforting a friend for me is, like, is one that I think is the smart thing to do, but not always the easiest thing to do. Um, then another is acknowledging their death. And this one is she kind of breaks it down uh, in two two psychological terms. And this is like something that was new to me because the first one is disenfranchised grief. And like that's the kind that where kind of what you talked about where people might say you're kind of get do this for clout. And that's kind of where you start to feel like, oh, I can't, I shouldn't grieve or I shouldn't post a picture or I shouldn't say anything or talk about my story about how they, how much they meant to me because people are going to be like, oh, you didn't really know them or like put a value on it. So you kind of like, you, you start to suppress your grief and she's basically saying, do not do that. 
because that actually is very detrimental to you. So, like, if you're like, I just want to talk about it, I'll just try to get over it because, like, I don't want to make people who actually were really close to them feel bad. It's like, that's not going to, that's going to actually be more detrimental to you and your psyche than than you finding ways to express how you felt about them. So sharing those stories and and being able to speak on it and stuff like that is very important versus trying to your best to, like, not make others feel uncomfortable. Um, and then the second. Wow, that's si- interesting. Yeah. The second psychological term is uh, self-stigma, which is kind of where you criticize yourself. And this isn't this isn't most like worried about what other people think. It's kind of uh, all like inward. And uh, for me, this happens a lot. This isn't for celebrities. This has happened for me with uh, certain friends or family because the deaths have been so frequent that there'll be moments where I like, I don't cry or I don't I'm like, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not on the floor bawling. And I'm like, well, is something wrong with me? Or like, am I like, it, do I not care? Or like, what's, what's wrong? And so then I'm like judging, I'm judging the value of my grief personally. And there's no one else involved. And I'm like, and I'm stigmatizing myself. So it's kind of... Do you feel like if you don't cry, you must not care? Like, that's what you feel like? You're like, oh, I'm not crying about this, so that means I don't care about them enough? Well, I, see, for me, it's not that I don't... I don't think I don't, I don't. think that I don't care. I'm just worried. I'm like, did something happen to, like, my emotions? Like, am I that broken now that I'm just, like, staring? I don't even say anything. And I was like, well, Damn, shit. Because, you know, yeah. like, my mom and dad, my parents are still alive. You know, my brother and sisters and all that stuff like that. I'm like... I I hope I'm not that broken now that like when those mom, when those situations happen am I gonna be like cold like because I feel like I won't be able to come back from that like it's I don't know I have those crazy thoughts where I don't think a lot of people want to express that or talk about that but I'm like when you think about death or like your parents or your siblings and stuff like that it's like I don't know if I'm strong enough for that like I probably I would probably not come back I like probably hit like a mental state where I'm just don't say nothing for the rest of my life. Yeah. So it's like, well, I, I can safely say, first of all, like, I know you're not broken because I have seen you cry. You might not want to admit it, but I've definitely have seen I, it happen. No, I said, I'm not saying that I don't cry at all. I'm yeah. saying I don't cry. I don't cry. Like when it occurs. Yeah. It's like, it's like five, it's like five minutes or something like that. Or, well, don't you think like that, that stuff is like the disenfranchise, there's a the disenfranchised element of it too, where it comes out later in different ways. Uh, yeah, it comes out in different ways. It's just also, it's just hard because the day is moving. Like everything is still moving. Like I remember the other day when my really good friend Liz passed away, I like found out about it in the middle of us. Like, I think we were filming, were we filming the podcast? We were filming something. We like it just finished. Yeah, there was a, we were definitely sitting across from each other because I saw you reading something and you were just in it. And I remember thinking like, dude, are you okay? Like, what are you reading? Like whatever, whatever you were reading was really hitting you. And like, to the point where you were ignoring me completely and just looking at it and scrolling through, like you had to reread it a couple of times, I think before. Well, it, cause it, it wasn't, it was like a very like blunt obituary, like statement. It, was, it wasn't like a friend. It wasn't a family member. It wasn't her boyfriend. It wasn't her mom or dad or anything. It was just like a, a blunt, just bam. Like, it was very, you know, like, uh, uh, like technical. So it wasn't, it was hard to read. And I was like, what? I was like, 
why would someone post this? Yeah, like, someone said it like so matter of fact because yeah. it's like it's a this wasn't like the announcement of the death. It wasn't it was the like, announcement, you know, like the it. So I was just it, I was like, what? And it was so I was so shocked. So I kept trying to read it and read it and read it, and then I was like, oh, well now I gotta also deal with them sitting here right now. I'm gonna be like, what's wrong? What's going on? And it's like if I make a big if I draw huge attention to it, then it becomes a whole thing. So I was like, I didn't know <laughs> what to say or what to do. Uh, I remember, yeah, and I, and I feel kind of bad now trying to draw it out of you so badly because I, I knew you were going through something, so I should have just left, let it alone and you would tell me when you told me, but... Yeah, I, I just had to figure out what was happening. Um, so yeah. So that was very... That's, I mean, those kinds of things are just so hard to deal with, and that that's why just that self-stigma is... That's also not good. So both disenfranchise and uh, grief and self-stigma like you should not care so much about how other people are going to value your grief and you should also not value your grief yourself <laughs> yeah like it needs to come out any way it needs to come out it's like and don't suppress it or because that's not good we I've, talked which, about what happens too but. i've done that like that's some of the things that are so hard to to reconcile with um it's because like especially with when i was when i started working at gratitude like it's hard to even share the story, but while I was in training at the job, you know, and it's like I had a crazy whatever history with this job, and I and I feel like they never took that into account, and that's that's what's that's what's really hard, is that you starting off this training, everyone's bubbly and giggling and laughing and having the greatest time ever, you know, and this is the time where everyone shows how fucking you know personable they are and how bubbly and great they are and and i knew that like in a hospitality business that's a very important moment but i did not plan for my one of my best friends to die during the middle of my training yeah so uh that happened not good still not good over it like but it wasn't just it wasn't just him too it was like your someone else had died that same week too wasn't it it was like two people well it, it like a couple months before my, one of my uncles passed away. So I was, that was already, I was dealing with, I, that had happened before the training. Okay. But then my cousin, or my then my best friend Eric passed away during the training, in the middle of it. So I had to leave, like, I had to, they kept calling me and I wasn't answering it because I'm like, I'm not supposed to have my phone. But then I was like, I think I need to take this phone, phone call because there was multiple phone calls coming from different people. So the minute Damn. five people call you and they all have the same connection, I was like, oh, fucking shit. And I just, but I, my mind went to like, yeah. oh, he's arrested or something. He's in jail. Yeah. But when they weren't, you know, but some, but one of the friends who told me just went straight to it instead of dancing around it, which I appreciate it. But yeah, I, I remember never, you called me after that too. And I was at home with my parents. Oh yeah. See, I think I, yeah. I, Cause I didn't know what to do. Cause I had to drive home. Yeah. Cause I was at like in Beverly Hills to drive all the way back to our house. And I was like, I don't know, like, can I drive? But then I was like, I have to do something. But um, it's crazy because I never recovered from that. And then a lot, for a while, like, I was this solemn, sad boy. So, of course, the job's like, oh, like, was did he actually have experience being a server? Does he actually know how to do this? Because he doesn't seem like he's talking to very many people that bubbly anymore. And it's like, did you not catch the part when I walked in bawling saying I have to leave? Like, so, you know, that's, it's like, that's a grudge and thing I need to, like, I, I could, I process and try to get over, mm -hmm. but it's just really hard because I'm still not over it. And it just sucks because, like, that's how everyone knew me as. And then on top of that, like you said, that same year, uh, my aunt, my aunt and uncle, another aunt and uncle passed away that summer, like right around my birthday. So 
I had to I had to just forfeit my birthday that year and go to two funerals. So I had my best I had one uncle, then my best friend, then my other uncle, and then my aunt. All in the same year within like three months. So then I'm just a sad fucking emotional griefy grieving kid or grieving guy, young man working at this restaurant that's supposed to be like bubbly and everyone's positivity. And I was just like, man, I'm trying, y'all. I really <laughs> am. <laughs> so they, of course, they make me a bus boy because they just think I'm some dumb black gorilla who can't speak well or something, you know, put me in the back. But uh, it, Jeez, uh, man. of course, I mean, that's not, that's yeah, not that- what they think, but that's what it felt like. Um, And it just. And it's hard, too, because you weren't able to fully. I feel like that's something that you see more with hindsight too. Like you, that it's like, oh, I wasn't done dealing with that at that time because it was so fresh. So that did affect maybe like how I was perceived. Whereas, like I think in the moment, like it's easy to like feel differently about it. Like feel like why, like why am I in this situation? Like why, why are people questioning me all the time? Yeah, as I remember that too about that experience. It's like you basically were like, dude, I'm sitting here with like ten years of experience and like, yeah, and it just sucked because it's like. I had 10 years of experience as a restaurant per industry, but I didn't have 10 years of experience of dealing with multiple deaths back to back to back. That's new. So like, I'm sure so this is so uncharacteristic of me. And it's just, it's crazy. Cause like in retrospect, I'm like, fuck, I should have just been more vocal about it. And I should have spoke up and talked about the feelings and emotions I was going through versus trying to suppress it. Do you think you just that that's one of those disenfranchised moments? Yeah. Because I I was like, everyone, if I like do this, it's going to make me a huge pity party. Like I told some people, but you you only tell some people because you have no choice because you're probably crying or having a weird moment. Yeah. I would go in and out of like crying all of a sudden in the middle of the day. And like, and then I'm like, how do you, how do you deal with it? Like a 10 hour day or whatever, eight hour day of work. And like, you're going in and out of grieving. Well, that's what I hate too is, is like. Now you have to all of a sudden unload all this emotional stuff that you might not have even talked about with your own family, with your own friends, but on random people who you're working with. Like, how are we supposed to properly mourn, like, in the in the way that our work world works? Like, I mean, I know we're, we'll get to that in a bit, but it's just, like, I don't know, that that's... Uh, I, it feels uncomfortable to unload on strangers. Yeah. And basically. What, real quick, because uh, there's just there was one more point from from her notes from Cassie Bartholey's uh, blog that she says the other one is sharing their art. And I, I, I almost look, overlooked that one. But that one's really big and important. And that one's interesting because that very much coincides with how we felt about, like, you know, Robin Williams and... And even John Lewis, because like it was his political work. Uh, yeah. Kobe Bryant being a basketball player and his relationship with his daughter and coaching and stuff like that. And then Chadwick Boseman, all of his movies and his you know interviews and stuff like that. It's like sharing those things and remembering all those good, great things he did is awesome. Because it yeah. makes it does make you feel good. It's gonna make us sad, but it's also very good to like like he did that. He when it comes to life and it comes to living and it comes to experience, they fucking did that. Like yeah. that's that's something that I try my hardest to to think about is like these people that have passed away, Kobe and, and Chadwick and all these guys, John Lewis and shit like that. They didn't just wake up and live, you know, 10, 15 years and pick their ass and then passed away. No, they they like they have legacies and they have they have the journey and they have a story and their story is going to keep on going. And there's a bunch of people that fell followed after them that are going to like tell the next chapters of that story. So it's. That that's what's important is sharing the art and stuff like that. Yeah, sharing their art, right? Sharing that, their art. 
Yeah, that's so, yeah. that's cool. Uh, kind of like you know, it's the Emily Dickinson <laughs> thing. What? What do you mean? Like, well, didn't she like she didn't, her poems didn't get like published until after she died? Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah, that like, was found a, them all in a, in a dresser somewhere. That's um, crazy. But it's the the going back to the, the that year of like so many people passing away and like how that was interesting dealing with their grieving process. One of the biggest things that was so hard to deal with was. I couldn't go to my mom and dad about my best friend passing away because my mom had already lost a brother a month before that. And then she lost another sister later that year. And then my dad lost uh, a brother later that year. And then the next year, or not even the next year, that around Christmas time, uh, my mom lost another brother that year. And that was her last brother. She remember if you... Remember from the older episode, the origin of the token black guy, my mom was like one of like eight or something. Yeah. And uh, she's the only child now, which That's is crazy. fucking crazy. Yeah. So it's oh. like, how do I go to my mom and be like, mom, like, I'm really sad about, you know, my friend passing away. I'm really sad about Uncle Junior passing away or my Uncle Bubba or something. She'd be like, you're sad? Like, she's not going to never say this. Yeah. But like, this is how I felt where I was like, how can I, I can't go to you my feel parents guilty. to console me. I need to console her. Yeah. She's dealing with seven, you know, people gone. And it's, uh, it's just a lot. So, um, it's just, it's, it's so hard and interesting how you have to deal with, with grief and death on your own. But then you also have to always consider a bunch of other people. Yeah. We're never going to a funeral and it's just you're the only person there. <laughs> well, yeah. That would be fucking nuts. It's so, it's so it's that that whole time of all those all those deaths and things like that really uh fucked me up. So in the last <laughs> in the last <laughs> moving on. No, yeah, just moving kidding. On. But just to say like cuz we kind of we kind of wanted to break it down in the last 5 years. Yeah. And then I'll I'll let you share. But I for yeah. the last 5 years for me is you know, it's all those people I said, all the aunts and uncles. Um, then another uh, another aunt passed away. My dad, my dad lost uh, a brother and a sister, and my mom lost two brothers and a sister, and then that's everybody. Um, but then I lost before my best friend Eric passed away. Him and I also lost a friend uh, a couple months before that, and him and I, it's like the the moment that's so hard for me to remember or to deal with was sitting in his Ford Explorer because Eric drove a Ford Explorer and we were sitting in the front seat of his Ford Explorer and when we found out about our friend Anton passing away I remember looking at the phone I, somehow like this phone is always a fucking character in my in my story hmm. but I'm looking at the phone and I'm stuck in and I'm like what this can't be right and I turned to him and my and our other friends, uh, you know Jordan. But yeah. when I turned it down, I'm like, "What is this? Can't be right." It says that Anton like passed away, and I remember me and Eric and Jordan, you know, we're all sitting there, and I had to watch. I'm like crying, but I had to watch Eric crying in the front seat of the Ford Explorer, and it's and it's just crazy because the like the story of of what happened to Anton. He was he was hit by a drunk driver, and his car like burst into flames or whatever and he died within the car but fast forward to Eric like he he passed away in in his car as well so like I, you know, I feel crazy even sharing this because you know it's not just my story his family and stuff yeah might not appreciate this but I you know, I gotta speak on it because I, I hold this shit in too much but so like 
I, it's just like these, it's, it was like the same thing had happened, had happened to him that happened to Anton. And so it's just, it's just like, I don't know. From that point, I have, I have a huge fear of driving cars now. So like a lot of, there's like family members and stuff and everybody's like, why don't you come visit me? Why don't you do this? And why don't you do that? <laughs> like, <laughs> I am not going anywhere. Yeah. I already don't like driving cars because I've been pulled over like 12 times and only received one ticket in my lifetime. Think about that, white people. When you're like, oh, what is racism? I've been pulled over 12 times and received one ticket in my lifetime. 12 times received one ticket in my lifetime. That means that I did not commit a crime those 11 other times. Wow. Um, so, Puts yeah. It in so, I just, I was already traumatized by that. <laughs> and, yeah. then, and then on top of that. So, it's just trauma it, on top of trauma. It's just trauma, trauma on top of trauma. Yeah. So, how about you? Last five years. I mean, I hesitate to say, like, I hesitate to jump to me because I'm like, I know that's not everybody. Like, I know we've lost. Like, I, yeah. But, I I'm, mean, I'm that's. I'm leaving out. There's people this year. I've, you know, but. Too, too soon. Yeah. It's, yeah. I've yeah. had a cousin that passed away like two weeks ago. And then I have another good friend, Liz, that was two weeks ago. Yeah. So it's, it, but it's like. It's just like a, it's just a shitty year for loss. And I feel like it's one of those things where, like, we have to just keep moving on, which is like, that's what you do in life. But it's one of those things where it's not easy to do with everything else. Like it's not easy to do when like you're getting hit again and again with all this other shit. So I can't imagine what it's like for you, you know? Yeah. I mean, even now I'm thinking about just like, I keep, I have to think about the names of people and I have to think about when it was. And it's just so many. And I'm just like, I feel like my life is going so slow that I'm not going to get to experience like my the, the fruitful parts of my life with everyone. Like mm. I think about because I'm the youngest I'm the youngest grandson of my grandmother uh, with my like oldest cousin being you know oldest cousin is like older than my mom in her 60s and then it's me. So that's one. Wow. I have one grandkid that's sixty years old, sixty something, sixty three years old, sixty four, and then there's me who's thirty two. Yeah, that's, and that's, that's with like eight eight children, right? Your grandma. Yeah, had that's eight. eight eight you know eight some children, and they all have kids. Yeah. So it's like, but I never even got to meet my grandmother because she passed away a couple months after I was born. Mm. So it's, but I I'm just like I'm like what happens when I have kids and when I want to start a family and when I do these things? There's no they they're not gonna have any aunts or uncles. It's gonna be just me. I mean, they like I, I, that's not true. They're not going to have any great aunts or uncles or grandparents yeah. or great grandparents. My yeah. my mom and dad and my brother and sister, all them, yes, will still be around. Hopefully, you yeah. know, knock on knock on all the wood. But <laughs> this <laughs> but whole wood house, not going to. It's just I don't have. They, they're not going to see my story. They're not going to get to see what I experienced. They're going to be like, was it just you? But the crazy thing is, it's like history repeating itself because my mom, then her grandparents were not around. Her aunts and uncles were not around. So. Yeah, I mean, you got to cherish that stuff. Yeah, it's just black families. I mean, that's a whole other story we can get into. But like, I mean, come on, racist fucking America. Like, if you're fucking killing people in the street now, today, yesterday, imagine what you were doing to people in the 40s, 50s, and the 60s, whether they were sick or whether they were healthy. So yeah. you can only imagine why my family dies at such a young age. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. You're very brave for jumping in, like, right into talking about all of this because me, I go back and forth at, like, who to start with first and, and all this uh, back and forth about where to begin. But I think I'll start with, um, I, 
I don't even remember what year it was now. I think 2017. Um, I lost my cousin, um, and he, uh, he shot himself. Um, and I know it's kind of intense to hear, but it was like, I remember I was at the, the, uh, festival of books with Lizzie and, uh, I just got a call from my mom. Totally. It was like 11 AM in the morning, you know, just really, really random. And, um, you know, she told me what had happened and I was in shock about it and, it was one of those things where I remember in the time or in that moment being like, how do I even say this? Like, how do I like, like I'm there with not just Lizzie, but like her, you know, parents and her sister. And we're just, it's, it's such an imp- a pivotal moment. Cause I remember it when you were at the festival of books with Lizzie. Yeah. Um, and it's one of those things where like, how do you like, how do you say, Hey, by the way, I just got a phone call and my cousin died. Like, that's crazy. Um, so it took me a little bit to like say what had happened and, kind of like deal with that um because you're basically like okay when i admit this i'm ruining everyone's day right now um so it's a little bit of that disenfranchised uh uh feelings kind of thing yeah you know and also like you maybe don't want to get into it because you're just like processing it um but it was weird because i had taken the train in to uh to usc that day when we were living on the west side and so the you know, we went about the day, you know, finished the festival of books, and then I'm going back on the train all by myself, just kind of thinking about it. I'm like, that is that is a strange memory that came up. But that's something that I don't think I really still, I still struggle with um, talking about um, to the point where I hadn't really talked about it much with people. Um, yeah. But... Uh, like it comes up in weird ways. Like, I was, I remember I was like, I agreed to go do this like documentary. Um, it was kind of like a weird documentary project where supposedly it's like, it's a, it was a TV show and you go and you do an interview and you talk about like modern day politics, but you talk about it in the world of this fake TV show. Is this the one with Nelson? Yeah, Nelson with Nelson okay. Tracy. Shout out Nelson Tracy. <laughs> I think he asked me too, and I thought I was like busy yeah. or something. But okay. I ended up going to do it. Um, and the whole time, you know, you're supposed to be thinking of what's like a modern political issue that you would want to talk about passionately, but in a broad strokes way where you're not getting into any specifics and it could be general enough that it would apply to this world. Yeah. Yeah, very, very like a narrow, interesting kind of um, assignment. And I was, I, when I got there, I was like, well, I don't know what, what, what would I be qualified to talk about? Or what would I, what do I know? Or what am I passionate about? And then the subject of uh, gun violence came up to me. And then I'm like, oh, well, I've got to talk about my cousin. Um, And when I went to do the interview, it was like 8 p.m. by the time they got to me. I was on the street corner. They had lights in my eyes. It felt like, you know, you're outside of a bar and you're getting interviewed for some late night TV show, you know? Yeah. Uh, and all of a sudden, Taxi I... Cab confessions. Yeah, something like that. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm speaking to this and I, like, start crying. Like, I'm like, oh, wow. I have not processed this. But it was weird because now I'm then... I'm with, like, two people I don't know very well, like the producer of this program and he's talking to me and asking questions and Nelson. And then I go back and I'm... I'm with a friend who went with me and we're walking back home and I'm, and I'm like, I think I should like say that like, Hey, I kind of had this weird moment when I went to do this interview. 
Um, and like share that with them too, that I was like, Hey, this happened. And you know, cause they didn't know that, um, when I, when I like told them about it and yeah, it was just weird. Like, it's weird when you have stuff come up and you're like, Oh, cool. Didn't know that I hadn't fully, you know, processed it. Yeah. Processed or, or I don't, cause I don't think you like overcome these things, but yeah, don't I? I quick question: Do you ever, do you feel like? Because for me, I feel like when you're trying to get ready to go somewhere, and you grab a bunch of things, and you run out to get in your car, and then you're like, you get you're already halfway where you're going, but you're like, I swear I forgot something. I swear yeah. I forgot like like my my wallet or now you know it's, or something you're probably not even gonna remember. That's what I felt like. I felt like I went to the next destination, but I didn't grab everything I needed to grab. And so, like, yeah. I feel like I'm still, I'm still like, oh, like, like it's like the feeling that you left the oven on. Yeah. Like, I feel like there's, there's all these people that have passed away, and I'm like, I didn't, I don't think I'm done with that yet, and I don't know what's going, I don't know how to be done with it. I don't think yeah. you ever will be, but. Yeah, not fully, but I think there's like ways that you can like there are healthy ways to like go about it, like some of the things that you were talking about. Um, so I'm starting with that, getting choked up a little bit. Yeah, um, I, I got to try to turn off my empath. I know, you got to look like, away. Like We can't just be up on this podcast <laughs> just crying now. We're doing the, we're doing the <laughs> whole thing where we're having a conversation, but we're like looking at opposite sides yeah, of the room. Yeah, trying to look at you, like look you in the eye. <laughs> yeah, um, but that was intense. And, and, you know, that was my aunt and uncle on my mom's side who they had already lost one of their sons to... Um, Skin cancer. Mm-hmm. And this was like the first family member that I had when I was younger who, who died and passed away. Luckily, both of my cousins um, had kids before um, before they passed away, which is an amazing thing that you take for granted. Um, you know, because it's always terrible when you lose a child. But for my aunt and uncle, it's really cool because they have grandchildren, you know, from them. Yes. It's that, I, I always say that like children in the future, like the offspring are like, the immortality of those people. Yeah. That's a really cool way of looking at that. Um, so that, that is a, a silver lining of that, but that's a really hard story, really hard situation. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just like, I feel really bad for them. Um, but, but that, that when my cousin died, I think that was like 2017 or 2018. Um, that was, I mean, yeah, I think it was the same year or close to. That's why I just like, it was like, what to do? Yeah. Like my roommate, (laughs) (laughs) me and him both, we like, we don't know even how to take turns. We don't know how to talk what we're going to talk about because we're both like, uh, you know, going through it. Well, Eric, he was really tough too because this was like right when we were all moving in together and everybody like, like I knew him through you guys or through you specifically, but everybody knew him, um, and just dealing with like like just you know trying to be there for all of you guys while you were going through that you know it was yeah I mean now I'm starting to get emotional because like sorry he was definitely part of the plan yeah uh, with the L A plan where yeah. I was going to live and do things and you know I had obviously we fast forward to 2020 and it's like I'm trying to, I'm doing all these things without without his existence and it's like our physical existence and it's just it's very it's very interesting because it was like what. Uh, you know, it's not the way it should be, you know, Yeah, which is tough. Um, uh, but then I had a similar experience to you in that, like I had somebody who I work with at Barnes and Noble, uh, who was a friend of mine who I really, really liked, but we, you know, didn't know each other that well or spend that much time together. I think we saw like a couple, like we saw some movies, 
Um, I think we hung out one or two times, like after work a couple of times. And then he ended up moving to a different store. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was scrolling through Facebook, kind of similar to the situation that happened with Liz, where all of a sudden I just see like his Facebook page is no longer his Facebook page. It's remembering him. And I was like, what the, f-? you know, what the fuck is this? And so I looked into it. And I was like, oh my God, like he's, he, and I realized he had died and his was a, a cancer situation as well. Um, but it was so weird because I don't even remember, like he was like a part-time worker at Barnes and Noble. Like I don't, I didn't even know anyone else who like knew him really. Like I knew there were some people who remembered him, Yeah. but he was, he worked there when I had first started working there. And it's so strange to have someone who know like this goes from someone where like everybody knows them and they, and, and they passed away to like, nobody knows and they passed away. And that's just something that you're like, Oh, well a person who I knew that nobody else knows is now gone. Like, I mean, his friends knew him, but I didn't know. And I didn't, so I didn't even know when it had happened. Yeah. That, and uh, it's just so weird. Cause you're just like, you're so removed from it. But only physically, yeah. Because so, you're like you're like I'm still this is still like so it's just it's like who do you talk to? Because it's like it's very rare, very few people that are probably in the same exact situation as you, like a sec, same exact relationship as you with yeah. that person. So then, yeah, and you just kind of feel like you're doing it all all alone, like you're yeah. processing it alone. Yeah. Um. And so his name is Courtney. He was he's a. Uh, he was really cool. He was into music and worked at Barnes and Noble with me and he was going to college. And I think he was, I think he was a composer. Like he wrote music, I think, um, which was cool. So, um, I'm like, my <laughs> stomach hurts. Cause I'm like, <laughs> I know the, like, yeah, just keep going. Yeah. Um, I guess like the, the, the hard thing is not like just going through this list of names and just saying like, well, who, who have we, you know, all lost? Like I want there to be more to it than just like, oh yeah, all this sad stuff happened because I feel like that's what it is. And that's how it's treated, especially like this year. Like, like obviously like when celebrities die, they die in threes or whatever. Like people always say that, but like or you have the in memoriam at the Oscars where it's like all oh, the list of names and like, oh, that was so sad. Oh, that happened in January. Wow, yeah, I forgot yeah. that person had died. Um, but I feel like we're doing that as a society, like with like this year, especially with like so many things and so many people. You know, 180,000 people died this year from a virus. Isn't that in oh, like that's f- like a in the fact that people can put their mouth together, like, I don't even, I don't, I try my best not to spend this time being negative and ragging on idiots, but people have the audacity to put their mouths together and be like, oh, so, like, did you just see CDC's report was only, like, 97% of people, like, or 97% of the people that died have underlying conditions? I'm like, what are you trying to prove? What are you, what is, who, why is everyone trying to have these aha moments about death? People are dying, that is a serious issue. I don't. It's not coming out of the mouth of Joe Biden. It's not coming out of the mouth of, of Anthony Fauci. It's not coming out of the mouth of Donald. Even Donald Trump. I don't give a fuck about what none of them say. This is the fact that people are losing their lives, and that is that's a huge situation. You and I are talking about four, five, six, seven people in our lives, which is pretty big to us. We all yeah. fucked up over it. Now, a hundred and something thousand, like in a year, 
Come on now, y'all. Like that is that is nothing to fuck around with. That's not that's not a moment for you to be like this keyboard warrior on Facebook and be like, oh, I told the libtards, like I I socked it to them. Like, no, you're a fucking idiot. Because when cause well, it's not even about being stupid. It's about being heartless. Heartless. Because would you like evil. it if someone said that about your grandma or that's your evil. best friend? Like. I'm not going to make a mockery or a joke out of not one single person's death that had any relation to do with COVID. I don't give a fuck if they were smoking a crack pipe and on the street corner in 30 degree weather and they died of pneumonia. I'm still not going to make fun of their fucking death. It's yeah. like it doesn't because it, all it doesn't matter. Someone loses their life. Yeah. It's like it, that's that, that is important. Always. And there's some level of dehumanization that's happening, especially when you can look at, like, people who are being killed by police and say, oh, yeah, well, like, maybe they deserved it because they smoked weed once. Um, and there's some sort of dehumanization that happens when people are, you know, dying overseas and we just forget about it. Like, there's not, like, wars going on or occupations in other countries. And there's a level of dehumanization that happens when it's just numbers on a fucking tally every day. Wait, that's not, that's not good. Yeah. Like, the world, dear world, you need to, got, you got to get that together. Like, like, what does death mean to us as a society that seems not to value life? Because it seems like, like, we don't, we don't value anyone's life it seems like that's why it's so ironic that people are supposedly pro-life when it's like okay so you're pro-life about an unborn child but you you know blinders on to people who are dying every day well, we always i mean this it's like a common rhetoric that it's like you care about the child before it's born yeah but the minute it's born it's like well is it from america if not throw it in a cage is it black or or latin mm, leave it in the ghetto i don't want to educate it let's put it in a shitty school and let's not give that school any money Oh, is the kid actually 17 years old now? Oh, and he's black? Oh, and he's carrying some Skittles and a fucking Coke or whatever? He seems scary and threatening. Let's kill him. It's like, what? So if, if you need to tell me if it was a little fucking embryo, uh, un, like a, even a, a, like smaller than an embryo, you mean to tell me that you would care about it? But if once it grows up to be a bigger person of color or a woman or a homosexual person or something like that, now, now you don't really care about it as much. It's like... That should be, ooh, that makes me so mad. I'm like, I. that's why I can't be a politician. That's why I, I got to be careful. I, I'm glad I'm just it's on Facebook because let me get in the conversation with some of these far right crazy people that be, that be devaluing people's lives. I'm going to knock some teeth out. Yeah, or <laughs> like you hear the stories about like, face, like Facebook groups for police where they're like death squads and shit like that. It's like this is not a game, that, but people seem to treat everything in life like it's a video game and i don't know like because like, we play too many video games i don't know like i know that there's a certain degree of dehumanization that has to happen when you're looking at scales like this like global death tallies and like you can't mourn for every person but why not also at the same time like that's why i love the movie midsommar for the weirdest reason is because that village in midsommar okay yeah they do kill people but yeah, it was that, yeah, take that part away. Yeah, take How that away. How they dealt with the motion. They deal with emotion in that movie in the most interesting way by all of the people in the community experiencing at the same time. When someone dies, they're all crying, they're all wailing, they're all trying to like be that person and experience that. You know, you know when she finds out that her boyfriend or whatever cheated on her and and you know is basically like they're broken up. Like she's like you know heaving and and finally dealing with this trauma and this grief. That was actually really not even about him. He was the only tie to her family because, like, her family dies in the beginning. And she's finally processing that for the first time. And around her is this amazing visual of, like, you know, 12 other women 
all doing the exact same thing as her. Yeah, well, she's heaving, she's she's writhing and stuff. They're in pain. They're doing all of that. They're like feeling it with her, and as they do with her, she's able to express it instead of suppress it. Yeah. And I saw that, and I was like, "Damn, is that that's what that's what we're lacking." That's revolutionary, right there. That's what we're lacking is that people are not being empathetic. I think I think we we got so fucking we're especially with social media and and with just how the way the world's moving, we got more focused on sympathy, like condolences. Uh, Here's some money to your GoFundMe. Yeah, thoughts and prayers, and it's like, no, you just cry with me, shit. Yeah, I don't know. Feel my pain. Feel my pain. Feel your pain. Yeah, feel your pain. Finally, feel that. Stop suppressing it. Yeah, it's basically what happened, especially just in America, because you know other countries are going through it even worse and stuff like Lebanon and stuff like that. But the in America, I feel like what is happening is like we're at the funeral and everyone's crying, and then one person raises their hand, goes. Well, to be honest, she was really old. And it's like, what? Imagine someone standing up in your mama's funeral and saying some shit like that. Yeah. Or they go, um, okay, everybody, I know, I know your dad died today, but he when he was 15, he'd smoked a lot of weed. And so you know, it's like you would get his ass beat. Yeah. So <laughs> like, the, the fact that people are have the audacity to even put their fucking mouth together. And like those two guys that got like this, I'm not even gonna go into the unarmed black people because that list is too damn long to be touching on. But the the two True. white people or whatever they were that got that were murdered at, at in Kenosha, like it wasn't it wasn't even hours before everyone was like, oh he's an ex con, oh he had, he was high on weed, oh there was this. I was like, why? Who cares? I like never... somebody died. Have yeah. some goddamn respect. Like, are you a serial killer? Like, that sounds like some crazy serial killer shit. Yeah. Like, I feel like when the, that we everybody knows that they're like serial killers and stuff like that uh, disassociate people from from humanity, and that's why it's like always like you know let remind them of your name and all that stuff like that. They don't want to say your name and things like that. And that, now normal people are doing it. Normal people are like, okay, I know, I understand that they so and so got shot, but like he should just follow the rules. And it's like, no, no, no. Like, don't do the devil's work for the devil. Yeah. He don't need your help. He's these, doing these fine people, all on his own. Yeah. These people with these Confederate flags and these Second Amendments, they so badly want to work for the devil, and the devil don't need you. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can make an argument, I guess, technically. That's the whole point, but that's not so off topic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're not getting into that. He don't need um, you. He working on his. He working overtime on his own. I just think like, how are we supposed to properly mourn when we're constantly forced to move on all the time? You know, like our our system, our society is built in this like progressive like like we have to like go twenty four hours a day. Like we have to work forty hours a week. We have to like constantly be moving and 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 we're in this like system where we treat ourselves like machine parts. Um and or automatons and we're not yeah. like or or think about like all of the mass shootings that our country's experienced in the last three years, let alone five years, let alone twenty years um, since Columbine, and how we're all it's all we're always told it's not the right time. I'm still I'm still like I'm honestly still taken back by Columbine. Yeah, I don't think that's been processed, and then everything since then is like backlog. When was that? Like 1999. I don't. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I was a kid. You were older than I was. When yeah, that but like it's literally like nineteen ninety nine, and then nine eleven and stuff like that was like only a couple years after. Like things were like bam, 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 bam. Yeah. And everybody's like, now it's not the time, or like 
this isn't really like this is just a political issue. I'm not trying to make it political. And it's like, no, homie. Like I get it. This stuff is really sad. It's really and really sad. depressing. And it feels like it's this black hole that you can never fix. But like you cannot like fix something or, or address you you can't fully process and, and deal with something that's never faced, that's never named, that's never talked about. Yeah, it's it's basically like there's a huge hole in the ground. People keep falling in. Everyone's like, yeah, but the hole's so big and scary. I just don't want to just, we can't deal with it right now. I'm like, but guess what? People are going to keep falling in and dying. If we don't, we got at some point, somebody got to suck it up and get the tools together and build a bridge over this motherfucker or cover or fill it in. Like we have to, we have to address these things. It's, it's, it's a serious fucking issue. But I mean, look at how we're dealing with racism. We, we, we still can't even process that. We didn't like we. I feel like shit. Americans ain't even probably processed the death of the dinosaurs yet. <laughs> we still mourning over that shit, acting a damn fool, act like that's too soon to talk about. Well, we're processing it in our oil plants. <laughs> <laughs> you just made it, but it's just it's. Oh. Yeah, like I didn't even finish my list, dude. I went way off. Topic. Yeah, I kind of like. Part of me was like, did he just like read? Like redirect because no, no, talk no, about no. it. I I think I I would like to hear I would like to hear you share the story about someone that's like about the patriarch. So because I think that's yeah that, that one is something I never ever had got to experience. Well, we're going to get into that, but yeah, just go ahead. Yeah. So my mom, um, on my mom's side, like my mom's aunt and um, my uncle. That that was um, my cousin who passed away. Rob. That that's their side of the family. Um, and I never really knew my grandparents on that side. Uh, I, I knew my grandpa a little bit more than my grandma on that side. Like, I think we met a couple times, but, um, on my dad's side, my family is pretty close with my grandparents. Like they, you know, would always host people. And like my aunt, my aunt Julie is kind of like the, the, she's the middle child of that on my dad's side of the family. And she would always host everyone, um, down in. Uh, Encinitas for like Thanksgiving or Christmas and stuff like that because my grandparents lived down there and so like my grandparents would come to my aunt Julie's house and we'd all go there that was kind of like the hub I, I, of that family it's, it's such a white family <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're Bless pretty much beautiful hearts but it's just the aunt Julie it's just so, yeah. so, so sweet yeah um but my grandpa on um so actually I have to take it back maybe farther than than five years um because my grandma passed away um in 2009, a couple months, like uh, maybe a month or so after my dad's brother, Richard, passed away. So it's kind of similar to your mom's side of the family where like there was a couple hits that happened all at one time. Back to back. Yeah. It was like my, my dad's brother, Richard died. Um, and it was weird because he had died. He, we'd found out that he died, um, like pretty close to our house. And my dad got a call from like the local police department that there was someone named Richard Harvey who had passed away and like, um, he found out about it that way. So he was like right by where my parents live when he died, which was super strange. Um, and you know, so we had, we all went down for Thanksgiving that year and had a service for him around that time where we went out to the beach and it was really beautiful. And it, and my cousin Ethan, he played guitar and it was super pretty and really moving. Um, I know I think I'm just going to cry at some point. I'm like getting close. Um, but around that same time, my grandma, while we were all there, and I could be getting the timelines mixed up because it's been a, quite a few years, um, but she she fell and broke her hip 
um, that same time while we were all down there or around that same time. Um, and it was like two days of her in the hospital and, and it was Thanksgiving weekend. And I remember like, I was at the time I was like kind of a selfish kid and like, it looked like she was doing better. So like I wanted to go home and when we were driving away, um, we found out that, you know, she took a dive and it went really poorly and she passed away. Um, and that was in 2009. Yeah. And so ever since then, my grandpa, you know, he lived to be about 90, 91, almost 92 years old, I think was what it was. Um, yeah, he was up there. Um, and he, he's sharp, man. He is a really, really witty guy. Um, but he's, you know, he wouldn't say that much, but he's like, every time he said it, it was like really full of like dry humor. You know, he's that type of guy where he had a good funny joke for everything. Um, and that happened, I want to say early 2018, like February. Um, and he had, he had been battling cancer for a while. Um, and then it just, and it, like mouth cancer, I think, I don't know exactly if it was his throat or, or what specifically. Um, but I remember like he was on radiation for a while and then we got the call that it's like, okay, do you think he's gonna, you know, stop doing that and just, we'll see how long he has. And then it's always quicker than you think. I feel like, I feel like it started really going, his health started really going downhill and we went down there to see him. But by the time that we, my mom and I were down there to see him, I mean, he was like pretty much, you know, convalescence almost gone, you know, um, and that was really tough. And with both my grandma dying and my grandpa dying, I feel like it's always like I was, I wasn't like the closest with them, but I did feel like I was always feeling other people's pain in the situation. Like, especially with my grandma, like I, I felt like I felt more from my dad, like I'm kind of putting myself in his shoes and feeling how he felt in that situation. Um, Especially because, like, when my grandma died, it was, like, his brother and his mom. Yeah. Which is, like, insane to have to, like, think about. Um, and then with my with my grandpa, that was tough because, you know, we had all gathered, like, a year before for, like, his, like, big birthday, his, like, 90th birthday. And um, that was, like, this pretty big celebration. And then um, it just, it just was, it was tough. And, you know, that, when he died, it was a really weird situation like my family like struggled pretty bad afterwards like where there was like you know i I don't want to get too into it but like a little bit of infighting over like the will and all that and which is like that's not that's common like it it happens that can happen in the most strongest tight-knit families yeah that when you did those things because you know my i had matriarch and stuff like that pass away in my family and like everybody's mad because who's taking over the house and who's doing this and this and i'm like Ugh, like this, like it's just it's another process, a way of dealing with grief, grief, and it's just it translates poorly sometimes. Yeah, and and that was that was really tough, and I guess it's something where that's different for you because you were none of your grandparents were really alive when when for you to meet them. When is that kind of what you were getting at with that? Yeah, well, my my grandparents on my dad's side, my grandma was alive for a few years, so as I was little, but I was so little that I didn't even. Like, I feel like people didn't, weren't talking to me. That's, this is something I want to get into. It's just how culturally, how we talk about, deal with death. Like, I don't know, maybe because black people have a deal, we have, have to deal with death on so many fronts. It's just how we deal with it and talk about it and process it is so weird. As a kid, I feel like I was never, ed, like, brought into the fray to understand what was going on. I would just be there at a funeral and I'd be like, whose funeral is this again? I don't even know. Um, Cause everybody's like, you're just a child, stay in a child's place. But like mm. now I grew up and I'm a fucking repressed ass, like 
Peter Pan fucking who don't understand like death because like y'all fucking maybe told me I was a child and I don't know how to fucking deal with it now. But um, damn, it's just it's That's crazy because I just don't. I don't like even there. Uh, something that I have to deal with is that all those people that I named, all those aunts and uncles, I saw none of them on their deathbeds. I saw none of them. And it's like, whether because people told me the last minute, they told me like, oh, so-and-so just died. I'm like, but they were in the hospital? Don't you think you should have told me when they were in the hospital? How was I supposed to know that? And that's like, you know, well, you should have called and you should have been close to the family. And it's like, but I'm just, I just named off six or seven people from both sides of my family. How did I know that just to call everybody? Like, that's, like, that's <laughs> a crazy word to be like, oh, let me just check in on every single person in both sides of my family just in case somebody's sick. Yeah. But it's like, so now I have to just process and deal with, like, there's so many people that I didn't even get to have, like, a final experience with. Any well, of them. that's tough because the other person who I haven't mentioned yet, who you know as well, is Safar, who passed away. Yeah. And he more or less, he, uh, I I would say when it comes to Chapman, he, he more or less uh, kicked off, like, the, the, when the pain started hurting because that was yeah. that was the first shock yeah that um that was we did, we were living together at the time so uh, yeah and yeah. that's so tough because like for for me specifically is like i was working with him on his thesis film and that project didn't necessarily end the best way between he and i and I, I, it sucks because like that was a project that i was the most excited about because i was working with a couple other people at that time and I was like really stoked to work with him. Like the process of, of writing it was really exciting and, and really fun. And I was I really trusted his vision as a director. Um, and it just ended up being that we, he went a different way with it because I would think I was trying to do too much at the time. Um, and then I remember there was just some hurt feelings there between he and I. Um, but we had messaged each other and like had kind of talked it through um, and dealt with that, I felt. But then all of a sudden, I the next thing I hear from him before we were able to hang out was that he had passed away. And yeah. so it's so weird when you have that kind of like feeling of like unresolved, you know, like, I don't want to say tension because I feel like we did message each other and we did talk about it. But like, you know, like it's one of those things just, where it's... It's like, you know, it's business, but it wasn't... It was just like art business, but like it was... Yeah. It didn't really get to have... A, it didn't have a period at the end of it. Yeah. It's just, it's just unfinished. Right. And yeah. so that is the that's, the... that's the frustrating things about situations like that. Where yeah. it's like you feel like... Like it's like, yeah, it, is, it literally is like something... Something that could have been great is like taken away from you before it's, before it's done, which is just the shittiest part about it. With all of these situations, I think. Yeah, I I will say that like when it comes to all this, I I have been like definitely full of shit for a very long time. Where when it comes to like processing it completely, because before I came to Chapman, even uh, it was somewhere around you know four or five or five, five or six friends that had passed away and been to funerals already. Damn, so I had, people yeah. that you knew from Bakersfield. Oh yeah, very close with. Uh, it's. And so it's just like I don't even want to get I can't even get into those because I was even young like one of the first ones I was in junior high, um, and then from there it went freshman year of high school right senior year after senior year a couple like it just but it it's I don't know you know there's it's just so many people in the world so it's just like and these things keep happening back to back to back to back you just never have time to fucking deal with it yeah it's like everything is just it's moving everything is moving so fucking fast. Like even 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 just this person I don't know, Chadwick Boseman, it's like, 
it's like bam, bam, bam. It's like all this stuff is happening now. You know, the world. Like we still haven't processed Kobe because between Kobe and Chadwick, like George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and all these other yeah. folks have died. And the world has been like oh, shut down. Yeah. So we haven't even like, I have we like nothing. It's like, it's like, what's going on? It, it, it blows my mind that the people that are, that are so the leadership of our country and the leadership of our world are still talking business. And it's like, I think it's a moment, at a certain point you got to say hold on economy you need to we need to put you on hold for a hot second if Jeff Bezos doesn't get another hundred billion this week that'll be okay yeah <laughs> he I promise you he'll be all right I think he can wait for a little second like we need to deal with some very serious humanitarian uh, social issues because this shit is out of control like for every for every fucking dollar that Jeff Bezos is worth. That's how many people <laughs> die. Like, and like, and it's just Damn. like, it, or not being cared about. And so it's just like, it's, it, it, to me, it's just, it's nuts that we, that we don't have the time to talk about this. And that's why I think it was so important for us to like, why I wanted to have this conversation now, because you and I have talked about these, these, our respective people that have passed away. And I'm, yeah. I'm aware well of your family. You're well aware of my family. We're well aware of mutual friends. But even just being able to say it now, it's just another step of us being able to, like, find another moment to pause for a second and, like, reconcile with it. Yeah. And I don't think we take enough time to do that. I think especially not in the social media culture of, you know, let's pretend everything's fine and, and, you know, post our best selfies up. Like, I remember, like, I would always make a point of liking the posts that people would put on Facebook where they were like, hey, I'm not okay. I'm actually going through something really shitty right now. Yeah. And and I feel like people, those were always the ones that got the least amount of likes and people were the least, the most uncomfortable with. Um, I think it's changed a bit since then, but like, like we should be able to talk about the things that are upsetting. Like this toxic positivity or like, like not right now or all of these ways that we like put off dealing with stuff that makes us uncomfortable is like really actually bad. Well, with this Black Lives Matter movement, like going, you know, going aggro right now, yeah. I, as a black man, I feel like it sucks because, like, I feel bad or embarrassed if I post something that's not about me going struggling or being sad. Like, wow, so I, the opposite of what I just said. So it's like. I feel like right now, like, this is something very important for my white friends. I want you to hear white fucking friends. Please listen up. Uh, you, every time you share those stories, those videos of black people getting shot and killed, every time you share a fucking post that's like black lives are dying, this, this, and this, and all that stuff, it's, it's the equivalent uh, if, like, a mother lost her child or, or, you know, or, or, or like someone like had a death in the family and then you keep and you keep sharing pictures of the of the of the dead person in the casket or you keep being like, let me tell you how they died. I want to describe it. It's like there, there's a there's a difference between acknowledging there's an issue and a problem and the value of life than then focusing on black trauma. And then like, let's continue to talk about the fucking black trauma because it's like I'm dealing with it. Hello, knock, knock. <laughs> I'm black and I'm traumatized. So it's <laughs> like, I don't, I understand there's a, like, they're probably posting it for the white people out there. Y'all, I, I feel like that's what y'all are probably doing. Yeah. Cause but, I was going to say like, I'm pretty guilty of this. 
yeah, I don't, and I and I appreciate it, but at the same time, so you have to be also aware that like it's very important to talk to celebrate Black joy. Yeah, you. It's not about. It's like you can't just be anti-racist. You there, have to be pro-black. You have to support people. You have to be pro-life, but not in that way. You know, you have to be pro, like celebration life. of life, human yeah. life. And it's uh, because I'm gonna tell you right now, like there was never been a shortage of of, of focus on black trauma. Like, yeah, you, have you seen you, Hollywood? Yeah, you sharing your fucking sharing the fucking videos of people getting shot and killed and all that stuff like that. You're not doing something revolutionary. What do you mean? Have you not seen like the Academy Award winning movie Precious? Have you not seen the Academy Award winning movie Amistad? Have you not seen the Academy Award winning movie Monsters Ball? The Academy Award winning movie, uh, whatever. You know, I can keep going. The list goes on and on. Color and Purple on. did that win the Academy Award? No, Color Purple didn't win because Steven Spielberg made it and he was white and Hollywood was like, white people don't need to be making some bullshit like this. You're race baiting and you're an asshole and they, they shunned him. <laughs> There's the D. <laughs> yeah, isn't that crazy? Uh, yeah. yeah, and then years later, he won for everything else. You know, when he does Saving Private Ryan and Chandler's List and all that stuff like that, because we're the American heroes. Uh, but we don't like to talk when we're the bad guys. Uh, so I don't know what the fuck we're going to do about the movies of 20, 2016 to 2020. We just going to have no movies, because we were the bad guys during that time. Um, it's yeah, it's just... It's it's like black like focus on the joy. It's the same thing where we're talking about celebrating the lives of people that you didn't know or dealing with that grieving them and sharing their art and speaking about them and sharing positive experiences. It's that. Like yeah, we don't need to go in and be like, all right, so Chadwick Boseman passed. Let, let here's the ten best worst movies that he ever made. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, that would be so like, savage. That would be that would be nuts. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that's kind of what we did last night is we watched Get On Up, which, uh, which is a movie neither of us have seen, but I remember it came out around yeah. 2014. I've, I ain't seen pieces of it, but yeah. it came out around the time where I, I ain't, you know, I ain't, unless I go to Redbox, unless it's on uh, Netflix, I ain't watching it. Like, I haven't rented a movie in, like, I don't know, probably 10 years. Yeah, so, that's true. It was, yeah. like, a weird time for <laughs> so movies. So if it ain't on something, I ain't going to see it. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, we watched it last night, and it was it was so good. The, I like we we both said this like watching him play James Brown, it like he disappeared into the role like it felt like we were wa- like you said it like it felt like you were watching Chadwick Boseman and James Brown at the same time. Yeah, it was too like I we had to remind ourselves like oh shit wait this is not this is not James Brown yeah uh, but it's because it was so that was what was int- so heavy for me too is watching it because we were watching a movie of two people that are gone like Chadwick and James Brown are both gone but then on top of that um, damn why am I drawing a blank on his name who uh, Bobby yeah it's uh bobby bird bobby bird well, the actor who plays him is uh nelson ellis yeah nelson ellis from like true blood lafayette you know fucking yeah. phenomenal actor but he'd already passed away before you know before which i didn't know that was news to me as a last so, yeah, night just, i was looking at this movie and i'm like oh these beautiful black men just gone and it's like but you know it's the stories being told and the stories being shared and like they get to we get to see them and they, they're fucking good in this movie and that movie it ain't no it ain't nothing to fuck with cause you know it ain't nothing to fuck with when when you got uh, Octavia Spencer and Viola Davis walking up in the motherfucker and like, they're like supporting roles like not even roles. main like, cast yeah <laughs> Like I and they're like they're you know like they're god level of of uh, goddess level of fucking black cinema. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's just it's like it's so beautiful just to see Chadwick just like he could be killing it on this damn screen, man. 
Like, so, and, and James Brown, like, the whole story of James Brown and his, you know, his music and, like, that that funk and soul and it's just it's it's amazing because you know he it's from an era with where racism was prominent you know it's still prominent fucking now but it was nuts back then you know he could he, he could party or do, perform in a club that he can't even go into like yeah you, you he, he performs on stage and when he gets off stage nah nigga you got to get out because he's black because niggas ain't get on up in the out club. of here yeah. <laughs> yeah ain't that some shit you perform there, but you can't go there. That shit is crazy. Or yeah, I heard something about like uh, in the 1920s there was cards. Like you have to be licensed to play in a club, but you can't, that you can't stay at. That's crazy. It's like you know, because like it's the same thing if like uh, Billie Eilish or something was to perform like at a at a bar or something. She would be like not 21. Oh, uh, true. But this, <laughs> I was wondering where you're going with this. Yeah, but the, but the but the thing is now it's just like oh, cause you black and. That shit was not that long ago. We act like I don't know why we keep acting like slavery and and the sixties and the forties and shit was the same time as Cleopatra. That was it was not the same. Just because the photos were black and white. Yeah. yeah, everybody like, oh, that was a long time ago. That was when like Alexander the Great was like conquering stuff. No, no, baby, they still alive. <laughs> like, yeah, the people who who are a lot who are getting sh- shot with a water hose and told they can't vote and being called a nigga and said they can't eat the pie in this restaurant because it's whites only. Guess what? They're still alive. Which means that the people who also said they the racist people who created those laws and said they can't do that are still alive. Yeah, well, I'm, the only thing I'm thinking about is how the uh, the little girl who who uh, was the first girl to be in a non segregated school she turned sixty five this year. Oh yeah. That's it. And, and that means that all of those white people who were yelling and screaming outside, you know, picketing and protesting, which apparently they used to love to do. Um, they still do. What they I know. About. Yeah, with masks and all that. Um, all those people yelling at that little girl are still alive, too. Still or could alive. be. Could be still alive. This shit is still going on. It's still, like, it's still happening. It's not, that, that's what it, it's like, because what, we, what we're talking about, where everyone wants to move on. It's like, we moved on, but that's not done yet. Yeah, that's the reason why we're so confused about how to deal with all these situations now. We're like, what? Racist cops could like k- kill someone? Are you sure? It's like, yes. Guess what? This is the same cops that used to chase down. Like these are just the descendants or the the people who work under the the people who used to chase down black people and stuff like that. The yeah, they're they're retired. They're you know they're either retired or they're on the boards of the police unions. Yeah. You know who control. They're all probably this a retired stuff. police officer who sees someone walking through a fucking house. That's not built yet, and they chase them down with their son and their neighbor, and they kill him. Yeah. Um. So yeah, but that movie's crazy too because his his life story is not a happy one. Like that is actually like like while he like brought so much joy to so many people, like he also had a pretty traumatic upbringing and and family life. Yeah. Lack thereof, honestly. Um, but it's see, it's just because like it's like it's black people have to deal with regular emotions. They have to deal with regular problems whether it's alcoholism or you know sex or poverty all these different things like that you have to deal with that but then also on top of that you have to deal with racism and shit being lynched and killed yeah. so it's like there's all kinds of trauma so that's i mean it's yeah. not easy yeah the i mean so there was i mean james brown uh or get on up is the name of the movie that we saw you should fucking watch it if you haven't seen it yet 
watch it for Chadwick, watch it for James. It's worth it. Yes. It is worth it. Like it's um, there's tough moments, but also the music and the performances are amazing. Yeah, it's worth it. Like, come on now, you you really gonna miss the movie where Viola Davis gonna be crying with you know snot coming out her nose? Oh, that was so good. <laughs> I actually walked to the bathroom and didn't. It wasn't in the room at the time when she, that scene happened. And you're like, oh, you missed. And I was like, what? Did Viola be like, I did you wrong? And like she was crying with snot and tears. He's like, yeah, pretty much. I'm like, see, that was I, exactly what happened. I know what she did because she been doing that i would never forget that's antoine fisher mama from way back when holy crap um, i didn't even know that yeah that's it's a movie from back in the day because she was theater but uh, oh i know antoine fisher but i didn't know that was she yeah, was that's, that's viola davis um so it's just that was such a great movie and then um just to stay with the chadwick's movie like i recently watched again black panther because like why not I told you I seen very first fucking episode of our podcast. We talked about how many times I fucking seen that movie. Yeah, I ain't no fucking joke. I still like it. It's fucking a good movie. I don't get like I, I'm waiting for a neck beard to come for it because I will snatch his neck off and his beard. <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's one fucking, would say they're one in the same. They, they ain't one in the same. I'm gonna snatch him off a different time so he can feel it. <laughs> uh, it's it's so it's just so important like people don't understand the people that worked on the movie from the behind the scenes from the the crew from the actors the writer the director the locations the costumes the makeup the hair all these things were jobs given to people black people and it did it did it so well in a franchise that is a big franchise yeah, this is Marvel, big, but arguably the biggest franchise. Yeah, it's one of the, the biggest franchises. Right this is Disney and Marvel, y'all. This is not. This isn't no like just no side, you know, Chitlin Circuit movie. This is this is the real deal. This is white folk money. This is white folk serious money. They let us play with they they they, they serious toys. And it's uh, such a great story too about leadership and what type of leader you want to be. And honestly, it's a parable for America and how we deal with race. And it's like, are like are you going to be someone who holds up in your you know, little community and, and, you know, just try and make your community as strong as possible while not caring about the rest of the world. Or are you going to be someone who takes that strength that you have as a community out into, you know, other areas of the world that need it's it? A, it's a black struggle. That movie is literally about black struggle. And I, and I, and I watched it and I was like, man, I'm going to tell you the truth, y'all. I don't know. I might've been, I'd have been like, look, see what it happened was T'Challa, like you cool, but Michael B. Jordan, like, he got like Killmonger. He got the like his muscles, and he from America, and he kind of like he just you know he's cool. His name's Killmonger. Like I gotta go with him, and no no shade. Like <laughs> you I'm have, like, you I have like, allegiance I like too. <laughs> like it was just hard for me because I was like I was like I don't know who the bad guy is in this movie. I like them both. I was like because I, I guess obviously I'm from America, so I'm like I Killmonger got a fucking point. <laughs> well, yeah, he was pissed off because you know he's letting you know. Uh, to, no spoilers, but T'Challa basically has like been letting what's happening in America happen, you know, even though there's Wakanda yeah. and, and they, they have, have the good technology. Reason, but like, it's just the resolution of the movie is just great because there's a there's a happy medium, you know. Yeah, and that that story is just so important. It's like, and uh, you know, it's, I'm pretty sure it's like the white person out there, like the the blue green person. I don't know what color they may be. They watched and it was like, you know, I saw it. And it was really colorful and stuff, but I just really didn't relate to it. And I just, I don't know. It's just a story with all these black people in Africa. It just doesn't really resonate with me. And I'm like, you know what? I fucking said that too when I watched 500 Days of Summer and Cinderella and fucking Gossip Girl and Gilmore Girls and In the Hills and like <laughs> I could just name every fucking show in the world and every 
Barbie cartoon. I also did like I had to figure it out. I had to try to find dig deep down in my fucking black soul to relate to fucking Ariel when her ass is swimming around the fucking water with all them white folks in the Caribbean. I had to like I had to like dig deep down to like, you know, relate to fucking I don't know. I just can't even get into it. But like I, I, just, I had to relate to all these movies where the characters did not look like me and we were able to do it. Black people, we, we liked all y'all shit. We was buying that shit up. Like, so it's like, it's just a, it's just a great story. And I mean, I have a nephew now and, and my nieces and stuff and they get to, they get to, they don't have to pretend, they don't have to be like the black uh, Elsa or they don't have to be the black Cinderella. They can just be fucking Shuri and they can, uh, Zuri and they can just be, um, you know, T'Challa and they can just be these characters now. They don't have, it's just, that's because the character's black, they black. It ain't no, they no question about it. It's just, and it's pride in who they are and being happy with who they are. And it's just, it's just, it's such a big deal for me. Did it make you feel better, like, watching the movie, like, after you heard the news? Like, I know it doesn't make you feel, like, whole, but did it make you feel, like, the sharing of the art did that? Uh... What did it watch the movie make me feel? Hopeful? Yeah, no. I mean, I mean, it made me more sad. But mm. I, I, I think it's, the movie's gonna last. It's gonna be there forever. You can't do nothing about that. And no, it, it's going. It's in history books. It made that much money. He's in the last. He's in the last what four fucking Avengers movies and and you know, Civil War, Civil War, and the two last movies and then his own. So like, it's like that is what it is. You can't you can't move that. You can't get rid of that. Yeah. Okay, so, like, enough about, like, death and racism and, like, you know, stuff like that. Let's talk about Lovecraft Country. Oh, wait. (laughs) (laughs) There's all those themes. Yeah. Um, But it has a unique spin on it, doesn't it? It really does. Because we watched the, well, we, we caught up and we, you know, watched two episodes. Yeah. But, man. That second episode was like, what did we say? We said it felt like the finale. Oh, that could have been the finale. Like a different showrunner, like the different writing room, a different show. That would have been the finale of the first season. Yes. Right. Or the or a limited series, whatever it is. People who haven't seen it, it's like this. How that's how intense it was. It was like shit was popping off. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like this is the second episode. I don't even know their names. We still had to look up. Like, wait, what's his name again? Like, huh? And because we don't know the characters that well, and then shit was already popping off. So. That's true. Yeah, I was trying to remember like Tick's name. I was like, what is it? Because it's technically Atticus, but yes. he goes by Tick. Yeah, they all got they got good names. Yeah, that's, that's good. I know. I know about Letitia motherfucking Lewis. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> she says that. And yeah, then, uh, that's such. Yeah, she's such Courtney a good character. Character keeps like repeating it. He's like, yeah, Latisha motherfucker, Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that this it also had like while there was really good intense climactic moments, there was definitely some really sad moments as well. Yeah. Well, like we said, it is like it, it almost is like a season finale between the 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 show that you thought you were watching to start off with, like they wrap up that storyline and then put you in a totally new direction in episode three. But in doing so, there is like you know some a, a sad and dramatic thing that happens. It's kind of related to what we're talking about. Yeah, I thought they did a really good job, and you know Jonathan Majors. I mean, he's the, one of the lead characters, so he's spoiler alert: he didn't die yet. But um, he did such a good job of his performance, you know, acting out all of it. 
They be this, yeah, this whole show, they be doing that Viola Davis cry. Everybody be snot everywhere. I'm like, good, look at damn. Some serious thespians on this. Yeah, but I guess like that time period warrants some good snot cries from black people because we was going through it back then. We still going through it now. It seems like it. But but what what do people keep saying about this time period? It's like, wow, this feels like the 60s. This feels like, or worse than the 60s. Like, I'm like, are every fucking decade of the America? Yeah, right. <laughs> are you kidding me? Uh, yeah, that's such. A, it's such a good show, and it's, I'm excited to continue watching it. It reminds. It's like Watchmen, where I'm watching like it's it it's based on source material that is like originally like predominantly white, uh, but this book, this author, this book in particular, incorporated black people and 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 real life black experiences. So it's like, ooh, this is fun. Yeah. You get some fantastical shit with also some like niggas. I mean, <laughs> he better not have said that. Oh uh, no, but the showrunner—that's how he described it in the uh, Hollywood Reporter. <laughs> oh no, but the showrunner Misha Green is taking that and synthesizing it, and like that's what I want to happen with if they ever do a Watchmen season two. I want someone like Misha Green to come in and run it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did it really well the first season one, but now it's time to put let's put a little more color on it. Yeah, Damon Lindelof said he's like, I want, I like, I'm done with the story, so someone else should come in and take yeah. that show and run. He's with a it. gatekeeper. He's a Joe Biden. He go, he runs for president, and then he steps to the side so Kamala Harris could take over. Yeah, it's interesting too in that show how they deal with like the, like you know there is a there is a death and how they deal with that death in the third episode I think is like really. Um, it's it's done in subtle ways and and it's part of the whole thing, but obviously it goes off in a different direction. And I just think like like kind of wrapping up everything that we're talking about. I mean, there's got to be some type of silver lining in in talking about all of this and 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 naming it and discussing it, right? Yeah. Instead of just bottling it up. I think I for me personally, I think that trauma. And pain has has to be a familiar conversation. It can't it can't be something that that we that we only touch on or talk about once a year, because that's what makes it that's what makes it so hard for me, because I'm not dealing with it enough. So like it's such a foreign it's such a, it's like a completely foreign language. Like the less you know of a language, you ain't gonna speak that shit, right? You'll be like, right. oh, I'm, I'm embarrassed, I'm uncomfortable, I don't like this. No one can understand what I'm saying. I don't understand what they're saying. So it's like that that language of emotion. We're not we're not dealing with it enough. We don't we don't touch on on sadness and trauma. I know, especially like in the black community. Uh, well, I was just thinking, like in the white community. I mean, I, you know, I can only speak for like my own family or people I know, but I even think white people are aren't good at talking about it. I don't it's think anybody certain, is. Certain white families, maybe, but yeah. I wanted. Oh, I did want to ask you. What is it like? What are white funerals? Do people be like, like hollering and falling on the ground and shit? Because we be falling on the ground. It's basically like a church service. No. <laughs> Oh, Not any just, white family. Y'all just be sitting up there just with your legs crossed. Huh? Well, I've been to two different. So I've been to two different, like, I guess, types of funerals. There's the funeral where it's like very like organized and um, I don't know, white collar. That's not the right term. But like everyone's dressed I to guess. the nines and they're all there and talking and and um, people will go up and speak. But it's all very like formal and, you know, people will tear up, but that's about it. And then you yeah. know, have food after and everyone just kind of chit-chatting and catching up and then i've been to like the celebration of life type of funerals where it's like a lot more like 
like more stripped down, more like everyone just hanging out and talking about the person and their favorite memories. And yeah, stuff. I not don't, so formal. I don't want mine to be formal at all. Like I'm gonna tell like whoever's in charge of it. But what you were talking about about black funerals, that sounds like what the shit that we need to do more often. It's just like how can we combine like you know really like throwing ourselves around and screaming and thrashing and, and having those moments, but then also like being being like able to communicate in this language, like you said. It's Maybe we don't need both. I don't know. It's basically what the white liberal kids out there doing right now. They're like, Wah! like falling on the ground, falling out. They're like, you, oh, you had a black death in the family. <laughs> Oh, no. Well, I mean, tech, yeah. <laughs> yeah, finding out discovering racism exists like Pretty much. Know, five months ago. That's crazy. <laughs> That's so funny. I, I'm just taking that <laughs> They act like you know, speaking in tongues and shit, falling on the ground with these big ass hats with the flowers on the side. Wow. Yeah. But I, I think it's really good that we had this conversation. I definitely think we need to be able to do this more often. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, we, all, we talk about things that are. Without fun. choking up and saying half. I'm sure, like, I forgot, like, half of what I was going to say. Right. Like, yeah. Uh, you know, those family members and shit, we forgot. You know, oh, we, there's we, gonna we don't be get a text so message or something like, why you didn't mention uh, cousin right, right yeah. now? And I'm like, look, y'all, I can't name every goddamn body. I don't know. My memory's shot as it is. And everybody is too much going on. So, you know, I'm trying to touch on who I can, but I can't. Mm remember everybody yet like in on the top of my head <laughs> but it is good it is good to, to start this start the conversation start the dialogue um even if it is just sharing and, and remembering and i don't know when you said that whole thing about sharing their art i think it's like is it okay to share art that you make about them too absolutely there's some of the most beautiful pictures that we've seen of Gigi and, and kobe and like uh and chadwick and black panther and stuff like that like that's true people have made murals and nipsey oh i forgot about nipsey hustle oh dude see i'm tired that's what we got to put the end of the, of the podcast because <laughs> i see oh lord he's la too see this will be the longest podcast we have just if naming you are people. a racist white person you should be terrified for your fucking life because we are black people are losing heroes and these are the people that kept us sane and kept us chill. Like they kept us from not going over there and snatching wigs off. So as they as they move on, we, we very we're more likely to snatch your wig off if you acted a damn fool. Because like between Nipsey, Kobe, and and T'Challa, I mean Chadwick, <laughs> <laughs> like that's like there's like kings of all of, of the, the culture trifecta: sports, mm. entertainment, and sports, music, and. And like in politics, politics, John Lewis. Oh, John Lewis. See, it's it's a wrap. Yeah. And I just want to finish off with like all those things that we talked about, like celebrating their art and speaking on them and sharing things about them. Do that shit while people are alive. Like, don't wait until they pass away. We need to love each other and respect each other and value lives while we're living as well. Yeah. Yeah. Send a random text message today and just tell somebody you love them. Thank you for listening to Black Man in the Right World. If you like what you heard, please like, comment, subscribe, or leave us a five-star review. For more, go to www.blackmanrightworld.com or email us at blackmanrightworld at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.